we are told that life is a race, but life isn't a race. It's a action RPG and you have spec'd your character wrong. A lot of guys today, and I think this is one of the biggest problems, is they are specking characters that are designed to win in the sexual marketplace. Yeah. <laughs> and then it ends up fucking up the rest of their life because a male who wins in the easy sex marketplace is a very poorly specced character for the job market. It's a very poorly specced character for the marriage market. It's a very poorly specced character for the dad market. Yeah, even you know, for like long-term happiness, like for more than just a 10-year period, even just terrible. Yeah, terrible. some people are born to be kings and some people are born to be knights. Yeah. And that we have taught the knights of our society to be systemically unhappy with who they are because they are followers and not leaders. Hmm. They are part of a system and that through acting as a part of that system, they can individually achieve the highest greatness that any human can achieve which is maximizing your own potential in the world. We are glorified for the crucible that life builds for us. It is through our suffering that we achieve things of meaning and we build an identity of meaning in one that we can be proud of. And that there is nothing to be proud of if you have no challenges. Would you like to know more? Malcolm, the other day, someone, and they were like, Let's be honest, Simone, you wouldn't have looked at Malcolm twice if he wasn't like super, you know, I can't remember what it was, like super smart or successful or something. And I was like, 100% no. Like the reason why I was driven crazy by you the moment I met you was frankly, your delusions of grandeur that you sat across the table, you laid your cards down and you were like, you know, first, you know, I'm not looking to get married and looking to find a wife, like totally honest about your intentions, but also like, and here's my vision for the universe. This is why I think humans are here. I'm going to get our, our planet, like our, our species off planet. I'm going to do this. I'm going to protect sentience. I was like, you dream big. And I well, even, even the way I come off publicly was something that I worked really hard on. The video on how to get people to have sex with you is one that we can't publish because Claude said it was too naughty. <laughs> but one of the things I did over and over again when I was little is I would go to little, I don't know the word, young, like high school, right? You were a youth. I, would, I would go to malls and I would practice walking up and talking to random people. And I would just do this over and over and over again, like reps. It was the goal being getting somebody's, you know, phone number and then, you know, doing some sort of post-talk follow-up or something like mm -hmm. that. Just over and over and over and over again, both so that I learned to not feel pain at social rejection, because this is a really ingrained thing that's really hard to get over, but also so that I learned how to do that, like as a skill, how to maintain that positive energy when going up to someone. It's, it's Positive, non-threatening energy is something that really is not necessarily you're born with it, but you can learn to master it through repetition. But for you, uh, it was more than that. It was the passion. It was the dreaming big. I, women find that super hot. Well, men find that hot too. Although men, I think, love admiration, like genuine admiration for them from a woman more than like her confidence necessarily. Or yeah, 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 absolutely. I think that this is something that really cannot be stressed enough in this modern like manosphere environment which is when you are out there and you are looking for a wife the best way to attract a woman is with your passion and this is something that women the type of women who make for great wives are very attracted to 
and are looking for. They are looking for someone in this world who they are inspired to follow. I was watching this great clip of Steve Irwin today uh, talking passionately about what he wanted to do. And I suggest you guys check out the clip, but I'll try to include the last little bit of it here if it doesn't get us copyright struck, where you can just see in his wife's eyes, like, oh yeah, this is what I'm into. It's this passion that I am into. I want to save the world. And you know, money, money's great. I can't get enough money. And you know what I'm going to do with it? I'm going to buy wilderness areas with it. Every single cent I get goes straight into conservation. And guess what, Charles? I don't give a rip whose money it is, mate. I'll use it and I'll spend it on buying land. But the point I'm making here is I think that a lot of people can think that something's innate to a person instead of something that an individual worked really, really hard for. Yeah. Now, I'm going to be honest. I think that innate things are also things that people work hard for. I mean, if, you know, so if let's, you're, let's short, talk you're running at a disadvantage. If you're ugly, you're running at a disadvantage. Totally, totally, totally. That's not what I mean. Okay. One of the most interesting statistics I learned recently is that how fat you are, your, 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 your probability of being obese okay. and how obese you are is about as genetic as your IQ. Oh. So very genetic. Now here is what's really surprising about that. If you look at somebody who is two standard deviations from the norm in terms of anyway. metabolism, oh. that's only a difference of about 120 calories a day. Yeah. So the truth is, is human metabolism doesn't actually vary that much in between individuals. So that means that the vast, vast majority of this difference, of this sort of preset obesity level that an individual is born with, is based on behavior patterns mm -hmm. that are inherited. Mm -hmm. So what's Really interesting is even that story I tell about me going up to people in malls until I learned how to be nice to people. You might be surprised to hear this, Simone, but I actually heard a very similar strategy, and it was actually something that my granddad, the, the <laughs> congressman, was known Wait, for. Wait, what did he do? So apparently he was considered very shy in his youth, and then he learned to just walk up to people and say hi and try to start conversations mm -hmm. so much that in college he was known for just standing in public areas and then going up and saying hi and trying to gregariously start conversations with people oh. until he was no longer afraid of talking to people and he could learn to do this. You know, that so even it, reminds me of um, what our son does when he gets really scared by something is then he like gets fixated on doing it until he's not scared anymore. Yes, really interesting behavior. So I do that. My son does that. My granddad did that. It's a behavior pattern where I guess we can say you have control over it and you can try to but, but so part of this is framing, you know, getting people over, but part of it is maybe it's more genetic than we're giving it credit for, but that's fair. That's pretend. fair. Like, so this part of this comes down to a quote, cause we're going to try to go over two quotes I've heard recently that really impacted me because I felt that they were so profoundly true. One came from my brother and he said, you know, he was thinking about training his kids. Right. And we were talking about, well, what do you want to instill in your kids? And he goes, well, I definitely want to find out how to instill delusions of grandeur in them. And, and, and Brittany was like, yeah, but what if they never grow out of it like your brother? And he goes, well, all grandeur begins with delusions of grandeur. And I loved this statement so much because it's just so obviously true. It's like when you think about the things in this world that have grandeur, like the 16th chapel or something like that, right? The 16th mm -hmm. chapel or the 16th chapel? Sistine chapel. Mm -hmm. Sistine? 
Mm, Uh, You see, I'm an idiot, but I believe I'm smart. So that obviously the idea for it was created with delusions of grandeur and then it became grandeur. I look at the projects today, like SpaceX, SpaceX was created by somebody obviously was, I'm going to create a space program, but it created grandeur. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that almost definitionally, when you look around, and yet people today, you know, they talk at, so I was going to say definitionally, if you look at something that is truly grandeur, that does truly exude grandeur, it could only have been created by an individual with delusions of grandeur, or by a vision that reeked of delusions of grandeur. And totally. yet, this is something we medicate people for now. This is something we try to quash out of populations yeah. or tell our kids not to have. When in it is a fire, I think every individual can aspire to to stroke within themselves and to, yeah. So I, I really found that meaningful. But then the other quote that I really loved. So Simone, can you you tell the story? You had you had really screwed up at something, and you were sort of beating yourself up for it. Yeah, well, and I'm, I always when I walk around the house alone, I'm constantly talking to myself, which is why it's great to have an infant with me at all times, because then it seems like I'm talking to them. But I yeah, I messed something up again, and I'm always messing things up, and I told myself, oh, well, it's okay, Simone, because, you know, as soon as you're not fucking things up, it means that you have gone on easy mode. You're not trying hard enough. You're not doing new things. You're not challenging yourself. And I told you about that and you seem to like it. Well, I really like it. If you are not fucking up, you are not challenging yourself anymore. Yeah. If you are ever not making mistakes. So when you make a mistake, yes, it makes sense to, you know, learn from that and to press yourself forwards. But if you are ever in an environment where you are no longer making any mistakes, then that is because you are no longer challenging yourself. Yeah. And I, I guess, you know, the caveat here is it needs to be a novel mistake. If you're making the same mistake again and again, it probably means because you're not trying. And that's also very worrying. Yeah. But we, you know, we have a very similar related life philosophy of yes and, which is, you know, we, we stole it from improv where you're supposed to yes and everything. You can't be like, oh, like I'm on a unicycle. And then your partner can't be like, no, we're not. You, no, you have to be like, yes, and we're clowns or something. So for us, it, yes, and is more just like, OK, take on the thing. Like, you know, should should we also try to reform the entire educational system? Yes. And and so we do that. And, and that does lead to problems sometimes because we are likely to then go over capacity at some point. But then our general thing is like when we discover that we're at capacity, then we just kind of wait until some things trail off and kind of like move forward in a very painful way until we get well, to a more doable level. But basically if we're not struggling, if we're not a little bit over capacity, it means that we have capacity that we're wasting. And so I think that that's very related to the messing things up sign is, is when you discover that things are feeling very easy or that you're not messing things up anymore, it is for us, for our value system, a very worrying sign. So, so I'd also tell people that, you know, we have seen the halls of power of society, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's the secret societies that Simone used to run, whether it's, you know, my family's supposed to be, and we'll do an episode on this eventually, one of the families that runs the Illuminati based on the, the bloodlines of the Illuminati book. And being the oldest male, I'm supposed to be one of the people who runs that. And I can tell you, we don't run the Illuminati, but I definitely have met my share of famous people and through, you know, getting my MBA at Stanford, I got, you know, we would go to a lot of governments. I took that opportunity to visit a lot of other countries and and meet with sort of their governing systems and the top VCs in the country and the top private equity players in the country, you know, based on various projects that we've run throughout our lives. So we've met the best of the best, supposedly. And they're just not that competent. 
it we are not saying that you average person are great all of us are flawed and fucked up and fail all the time and fail to be who we could be but what we are saying is that the mistake is not that you are uh, being too hard on yourself in fact you should always be hard on yourself it's that you think that the people who are succeeding are that much above you and i think that it's a very important to remember when you're looking at this that this does not mean that you should belittle people who have achieved genuine accomplishment over and over again right like I think some people take this to be like, oh, the rich are like not uh, that competent or whatever, right? Like this is the way that they react to that and that they're actually all idiots and they've gotten it through dishonest means. Hmm. And it's like, not really. I, I'd actually say that the core difference between the two groups, if I was going to say like the, the core thing we've noticed is mostly initiative is that rich people just have a more initiative and self-assurance, hmm. but there is some competence difference between the groups. It's just not as big as people think. Now, a really interesting thing, and this comes down to a tweet I heard, which, which is also true to an extent, right, is it's that we don't have a epidemic of imposter syndrome. We have, a, so imposter syndrome is this belief that some people have. And when I was at Stanford Business School, they even had like seminars for it. We talked about it all the time. You don't deserve these things that you have and you're not actually good enough for them. Well, and of course, the, the seminars were on how to overcome it. Yeah, it's that we have an epidemic of imposters. No. And I actually think that might be true. Yes. Uh, it does remind me, so Simone used to be very meek in this way. And when you went to Cambridge, I developed an exercise for you that you're supposed to do every day. Do, do you remember what it was, Simone? But it was something about like actually asking myself, like if, you know, the person next to me or whatever was. Yeah, like, it was every day you're supposed to go out and see if you could find one person who was more competent than you. Um, but I mean, I, I personally never had imposter syndrome. I just assumed that everyone was was more smart in ways better than me than than I was. Um, yeah, but it, what you learned really quickly because you you still had this meek attitude towards things mm. is every day you would go out at Cambridge, which is supposed to be like one of the top universities in the world, you know, in a in a graduate program, and you would come back almost every day being like, no, I didn't meet anyone more competent than me today. I didn't meet anyone who like was was that much better than me today. And through doing that, you were able to, and it took you a while, it, you know, at first, I remember for like the first few weeks of doing this, you'd be like, yes, but Malcolm, it's like an illusion. No, there was one, like right away, Emmanuel in my class, like, you know, amazing. You met one person who was smarter yeah, than Yeah, one, well, you know what, you gotta this is the, 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 Do you understand how illogical and insane that is? And look at what, look at your judgment of his competence. What does he do now? Well, he's at Harvard now. No, he he ran like one of the largest companies in the world. Oh, yes, yeah. No, he he ran yeah like sub-Saharan sub Africa for, for Novartis. Yeah, like which uh, is the second largest biopharmaceutical company in the world. Kind of huge. So the point being is one, I sent you out there to judge people's competence, and, and I guess you, I did. So, yeah, I did so accurately. Like he, you he got accurately was, judged their competence. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so first of all, this was not like an illusion to you. He was actually competent, and he was actually incompetent. Oh, but the point totally being right. is, even today. You can see she struggles with this belief that she's actually that competent. And so what I would say is there's two things that like, unfortunately we need to get across in this, which are sort of contradictory, but need to be put across in the same package. Many ultra competent people when contrasted with actual society today who could go out there and who could make a difference, aren't doing it because they lack 
either the pathway through which that is done or the self-confidence. Simultaneously, we don't want to accidentally inspire more of these idiots because there actually is a difference. Uh, there is an actual competence gradients across humanity. There are actually people who just are not good enough. And I'm sorry about that, but it's just true. Like no matter how hard they work, they, they might be able to move themselves into position of power, but then we just have an incompetent person in a position of power, which isn't great for the rest of us. You know, and so that it's I am I believe that there is a place for everyone. It's just that our our society encourage encourages people with the wrong skill sets to aspire to the wrong things, I guess. Well, so this is an interesting, I saw this recently, speaking of because of my mind's in the Baldur's Gate again, because that's the game I'm playing these days no, no. with dice rolls for characters based on the D&D system, it is that we are told that life is a race, but life isn't a race. It's a action RPG and you have spec your character wrong. You have, you have specialized in the wrong stats and the wrong skills, and that's why life is challenging. And in a way, I think that's kind of true for a lot no, of people. No, it's super legit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people are frustrated because they're, they're yeah, they're, they're playing the wrong character. Well, yeah, or they, they spend too long. I mean, I think especially this is true. A lot of guys today, and I think this is one of the biggest problems, is they are specking characters that are designed to win in the sexual marketplace. Yeah. <laughs> and then it ends up fucking up the rest of their life because a male who wins in the easy sex marketplace is a very poorly specced character for the job market. It's a very poorly specced character for the marriage market. It's a very poorly specced character for the dad market. Yeah, even yeah. for like long-term happiness, like for more than just a 10-year period, even just terrible. Yeah. Terrible. <sighs> hmm. Well, and this so is then why... what would you say to like a parent? I mean, like your your mom raised you to have delusions of grandeur, right? Like, didn't didn't you like come home from school one day and they're like, Yeah, I don't know, like Malcolm keeps saying he's gonna be like a king or something, you know, like he has a problem. No, they no, and she's like, What's wrong with that? And they go, No, you don't understand. He thinks he's actually going to be king of like the world. Like he is convinced that this is his destiny. And my mom was like, why would you try to convince him otherwise? And I love that, right? Like that is, I think clearly, I, I actually think that this is something I have consistently seen across really successful people mm -hmm. is that when they were very young, they were raised to have delusions of grandeur. Mm -hmm. And then from like the ages of like, let's say 10 to 20, uh, they were just absolutely beat down by life. Destroyed, destroyed. Destroyed by life. You know, just sent to prison, sent to, to camps, had everything taken from them, disowned yeah. by their family. Yeah. Elon Musk is a great example of this, for example. Yeah, no, he had a tough, tough childhood. But when he was really young, his family kept telling him how great he was going to be, which you, you saw from the book. And this is something I just keep seeing across my friends who are sort of in this group is delusions of grandeur are built in, like up to the age of 10, of, and you can almost say it's entitlement from what you're going to get from reality, but mm -hmm. also entitlement combined with a sense of responsibility, mm -hmm. which I think is also something I don't see from these people. You know, when they reach out to us and they're like, you know, this is how challenging my life is. This is how these are individuals who we know we can't help often. Because there's not a they, lot. They typically do. neither have delusions of grandeur nor have experienced real hardship, which is why they're like not even willing to like 
proposition people. Right. But I will say that there's a type of person who, when they reach out, I immediately know they're going to strike it big. And we've helped a lot of people. Mm. Yeah. Or the random fan. We made her head of the perinatalist foundation. Now she's getting her graduate degree in Harvard. You know, so, so like when we try to help somebody, oh, another person we just heard, she came to work with us as a nanny. She just got a, what are these grants called? So it's called a emergent ventures. So this is a, yeah, this is Tyler Cohen has, has funded her to uh, do whatever she wants now, basically. So people reach out to us sometimes and we're like, oh, you're obviously going to go somewhere. And what they always say, okay, is they're like, okay, guys. Here, like, like this is 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 what I need to fix about reality. Can you help me fix it? Yeah, yeah, and it's never, never, never about woe is me. I can't do this. I can't do that. It's like, oh, hey, you know, I see what you're doing. This is what I'm doing. Let's talk. You know, that kind of attitude. But every one of these individuals, they have something innate to them, which I do not see in people who are not successful is they believe that the world is their responsibility. Mm-hmm. There's one of my favorite- The world, yeah, and that's, and not just their lives, not just their own happiness, not, but literally like the world. That's so true. So at the beginning of every episode of this, you hear a line from a movie that, oh my God, if you have not seen this movie, you need to go see it. It's Starship Troopers, so oh, yeah. we should watch more line. <laughs> and uh, it has so many banger quotes in it. But one of my favorites is the difference between a citizen and a civilian is that a citizen takes the safety of the human race as their personal responsibility. And this difference, this, this, because there is a type of person who just innately believes that the safety of the human race is their personal responsibility. And when these people reach out to you, you can sense it's like an aura, right? And it, I don't know if it's changeable in an individual. I don't know if it's changeable after childhood. I don't know if it's genetic. But I will say, if it turns out that it is, for a lot of people, I think that they would be a lot happier if they took the burden of all of humanity upon their personal shoulders and stopped thinking about their own problems. And this is really interesting because we live in a society today that expects everyone to be equal, that sees the differences between individuals as existential threats Hmm. to its promises and everything like that. And yet historically we were not equal and this was understood. And I think the truth is, is that humans aren't equal and this should be obvious. We are not born equally attractive. We are not born equally intelligent. We are not born all sorts of things, right? Like, and it is a cruel jest to pretend that we are, but we can be happy with our own roles in this great game when we recognize that it's, We're not all equal. We can't all achieve the same things. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at somebody like us when contrasted with Elon Musk, right? Like he has accomplished more than us. And genuinely, I would say he is smarter than us. (laughs) And yet he can only do so much. You can already see his overtasking himself has, has made things begin to fall apart in aspects of his life. And you can already see... With us, there are things that we have been able to do that he has not been able to do, like, you know, a a single stable family unit with a lot of kids. And that these. Wait, he's he's got a lot more than we do. I think that my hypothesis would be that the family structures that he's trying to create intergenerationally probably won't be as successful as just raising a kid with one mom. 
this is a hypothesis. This is a hypothesis for sure. But but I would say that dispositionally, part of what makes him successful in other areas also makes it hard for him to just stay with one person his entire life. Totally. Yeah. It it is. It is a very gift that allowed him to be successful in one area that makes success in another area, and the the need to invent new strategies a necessity. So I'm not saying this is a negative thing, but the point I'm making is that there are fans who watch this show and who are like, I could never achieve what you two have achieved. And I want you to understand that there are things you can achieve that we cannot dream of. Totally. And it is very important that you remember that. And even if they don't accrue you the same social status, even if they don't accrue you the same public adulation or lifestyle that we are able to And it's not like we have amazing social status. I think that's a pretty narcissistic statement. I don't uh, think we have amazing social status. It's it's narcissistic in that it doesn't recognize all the benefits that you have every day from the types of people who interact with you, Simone. That's fair. Or the types of people who come to our parties or the types of people who reach out to you when they want help. Don't you um, think people who come to our parties come for the other people? No. You think somebody like Scott Alexander like reaches out to help from like random other people? Like, Well, because nobody else is like connecting pronatal. So you undersell yourself in a way that is not as endearing as you think it is. I'm not trying to be endearing. I'm trying to be realistic. No, but I think that you have learned that through acting unreasonably humble, that you are acting like in a, in a, in a kind elevated way. I don't want to be kind. I'm no, this is a me just trying to be accurate to a fault probably I, I don't but it's not accurate you you have probably one of the highest social standings of any human alive you you, you used to i'm sorry simone actually this is what i'm talking about when i'm talking about like me doing this cambridge thing with simone to help build her up is sometimes she doesn't accurately recognize her position in reality and through not accurately recognizing her position she's she's trying to act in a way that is humble but it, I am not trying to act in a way that is humble. Okay, I so am realistically, being realistic. Yes. Realistically, who of, of the world's population, what percent do you think can cold email somebody or call somebody within your pre existing network and get the type of high profile people to respond? If they're using the same enticements we are. I mean, okay, most people above a certain general intelligence level. Yes, no problem. I think that is just entirely delusional. But anyway, I wanted to ask you another question, which is there's this tension between, no, you can't be everything. Not everyone has the same abilities. And yes, it's a good idea to give children delusions of grandeur. Like, you know, a lot of people talk about the the toxicity in saying you can no, be anything you, you want you to be. you need to understand that some people are born to be kings and some people are born to be knights. Yeah. And that we have taught the knights of our society to be systemically unhappy with who they are because they are followers and not leaders. Hmm. And that creates pain and suffering in a society. We are taught everybody must achieve this, this, and this. Even us who promote pronatalism, I understand fully well that there are many males that will never get partners. And that that is okay. Because well, so what are you going to tell our, our kids? You can play. When you make the safety of the human race 
your personal responsibility. There are still many other roles you can play in this grand game that we are all players in. And just because you aren't personally meant to be a king or a queen on the chessboard does not mean that your life has no meaning. Okay, but what are you going to tell our kids? Like, how do you get them to take responsibility for the world, but also make sure that they take responsibility for the world in realistic fashion? Racism was in a hard cultural context. It was a hard cultural group. The big problem is, is that when these people get converted into the dominant urban monoculture, the virus, as we call it, it tells you, one, everyone is truly and exactly equal. And when that's not the case, something is wrong about the world. Mm -hmm. And then two, that you should not really feel suffering. That suffering is an aberration. That death is an aberration rather than positives that improve the human condition. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you look at stronger, older cultural traditions, none of them feel this way. None of them think this way. No Catholic, well, some insane Catholics think that they are the equivalent of the Pope. You know, they understand that there are people above them in this world and that their life is not lesser for that, mm-hmm. that they are part of a system and that through acting as a part of that system, they can be a, a individually achieve the highest greatness that any human can achieve, which is maximizing your own potential in the world. And that you should not judge your potential based on, well, I don't get this thing. I don't get that thing. There are some individuals. It is possible to be a pronatalist. It is possible to be a total advocate within the pronatalist movement and still not be capable of securing a partner or still believing that your genes are not will not benefit the next generation and therefore should not be passed on. This is... A bizarre fantasy of this progressive hive mind that that the only way to live a fulfilled life is to subject is to be you know an individual sovereign of yourself and 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 not feel pain or emotional suffering or anything like that. We are glorified for the crucible that life builds for us. It is through our suffering that we achieve things of meaning and we build an identity of meaning in one that we can be proud of and that there is nothing to be proud of if you have no challenges. And that's why I liked this quote that you came up with so much. It's a life without challenges is not a life to be proud of at all. Hmm. And um, In this podcast, we might look like people who are like, Oh, you're simping for Elon Musk or whatever. People who hate on Elon Musk are honestly dirtbags. This is a human being who, after he repeatedly has got more money than any human could ever want, he bets it on trying to solve whatever he thinks humanity's next great threat is in a way that could lose it all. Oh, climate change is an issue. Well, let's buy into a uh, electric car company. Oh, this is space travel. Humanity's a one planet species. This is a huge risk. Let's see if we can become multi-planetary. Oh, AI could be a big risk. Okay, how, what's the future look like where AI doesn't kill us all? Maybe what type of AI is a big risk to humanity? How do we build a future where AI isn't a risk to us? Well, one of those futures would be one where like humanity integrates with AI. So let's create this AI integration company with Neuralink. And just over and over and over again, he is putting himself out there. And I think by denigrating people just because they're successful, which I think is a tactic that many people use to make themselves feel better, instead of just saying, you know, good job, 
you've done a good job. I appreciate that. You may have flaws that I don't have. You may have issues I don't have, but I can learn to overcome that. It's great. And I hope that our fans can learn to be happy with their lives, even if they're not able to completely recreate the life that we have. That is not what success looks like. What success looks like is through understanding and genuinely taking on the belief that the responsibility of the human race is your personal responsibility and living with that knowledge every day. I like I that. Simone, and I, I hope that we make our uh, people who watch our shows lives better. I hope so too.